Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the club who have now gone, apparently, 330 days without a league win outside of Edinburgh. Heart of Midlothian. A nice cheery start for you all. I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Could always be worse. Could always be 331 days. So just, just look positively. Well, it will be by the time people listen to I it. I know, I know, I know. But today it's not. <laughs> so tomorrow it will be. That's fine. But today it's not. Yeah, nil-nil, Ross County. So I watched the Airdrie game and enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. 5-0, um, was, was very infused. And I'll hopefully talk a bit more about that because I saw it. But I'll be reliant on you, as I was yesterday, for your commentary. Um, it's always a concern when there's not one single tweet on the Hearts official account <laughs> for 19 minutes uh, because absolutely nothing is happening. Not when you need wins. Certainly not. We will talk about both of those games, uh, the Scottish Cup game against Airdrionians and the game which happened last night at the time of recording up in Dingwall against Ross County. We're going to talk about the round of 16 in the Hearts Hard Men World Cup and we're going to talk a little bit about multifunctional sportsmen and women which was the homework question from last week as well as of course a look ahead to Hearts next game against Rangers. Okay, first up, we've had two games since we were last on air, and it started in the Scottish Cup against Airdrionians at the weekend. And um, I guess we'll go straight into it. We've got quite a few things to get through, but looking at the team, a surprise start for Lewis Moore. Hadn't played for Hearts since the season before last. Uh, Ewan Henderson got a start, but he has been getting a look in recently, and Naismith and Washington up front. Uh, good to see them. Naismith, of course, with his first uh, game as official club captain two years to the day of when he first signed from Hearts and John Souter was back in defence as well and it was a game Mark with with lots of positives um, Ewan Henderson and Lewis Moore were both played very well direct and energetic Andy Irving dictated play was, as well it was good to see Naismith and Washington in there a lot more dynamic than our other options and um, Sean Clare was fantastic again I think it was nice even when, even though it was of course League One opposition it was nice just to be entertained by hearts and to have goals raining in and I guess just not to be miserable watching our team. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the performance of the youngsters. I enjoyed Sean Clare's performance. Uh, John Souter back was, was great to see. Souter and Halkett hopefully will be the partnership mm-hmm. going forward. And it, it was just, it was great. And, and Naismith's involvement and, and doing his best to try and improve others around him and then when Henderson moved infield a, a little bit more I thought he had a really good second half yeah I read a, I read a tweet I was I was looking on Twitter um, before the game and, and Joel Sked had posted something about the sweep they had on first injured player and he had Aaron Hickey and I thought my god he's, he's won that I didn't even realize I didn't even know that Uche had already been injured before kickoff. Yeah. So that bet was null and void. It was like, come on, really? Uche, then Hickey, then Smith. It's surely got to be a in 90 minutes. It's surely got to be an in 90 minutes one. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't think there was money at stake. It was just done something Aye. something silly. But come on. I mean, what, what is it? We can't, can we, we can't blame Craig Levine for this? For the well, injury issues. He is, Can he is, we? He's the one overseeing the medical department now. Oh, so. okay. He, sorry, doc, doc, <laughs> Dr. Levine. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's one of the negatives is, again, injuries. I mean, Uche in the warm-up and then uh, Smith and Hickey both going off during the game and then both missing out um, in Dingwall. So it, it is a, con- a continuing problem. And I suppose it's hard to tell now because is it just carrying on from before? Is it the fact that maybe Daniel Stendhal's now working with players more than what they were used to previously. But, I mean, injuries have never changed, have they, in recent times? It's, they've been a constant for us every every game. So, um, I don't know. We maybe do need someone to overhaul the medical department. Maybe just questionable as to who we get to do it. Uh, how can um, how much can we take from this game? I mean, I, I saw it myself, as you obviously have to take you have to take the context in terms of we are playing a team and you could see in the second half when Hearts, you know, after they scored the second, you know, a team, a part-time team as well. So 
you could see the legs that we had start to take effect. The, you know, the heads went down for for Ian Murray's men, and it, it was maybe harsh on them in the end of the second half. They battled quite well in the first. But how much can we take from that game? I think I want to I want to group the two games together, and I know we're talking about Airdrie, but the the reason I want to group the two together is because we we've kept two clean sheets back to back, and I think that's the positive from them. Mm-hmm. Because you don't you don't know what you can take from the first game until the second game comes around. We scored five goals. It would have been nice to have split them between the two games, but that's not what happened. So we got five against, let's face it, pretty mediocre opposition on the day. Uh, we were much better than them. But the bigger test for me was always going to come at Ross County. So there's a piece in the evening news, a, a kind of analysis from, from Dingwall last night. And again, you'll be able to talk about this um, more as we, as we go on in this podcast. But the number one um, piece of analysis, the pressing issue is what they've called it. And it's quite literally the issue with pressing. And that we're okay at times when we've got the ball and you'll, you'll work with moving it quicker and movement off the ball and whatever. But there seems to be an issue when we don't have the ball, how we go about getting it back quicker. Now, that's something that some players are going to have to learn because it's a different style. You have a lot of the ball against Airdrie. You don't do, there's not much of a need for pressing. There's not a pressing need for pressing because you've got the ball most of the time. That's not going to be the case when we face teams in the, in the Premiership. We've got some tough games coming up as well. We're going to be without the ball for quite a lot of time. We have to be better when we don't have the ball in what we do in the space that we give up to close that down to ensure that we press better. Because if we don't press well, and this is something that didn't happen in the Airdrie game because we didn't need to, but as the article or the analysis in the Evening News quite rightly points out, pressing is, is something which it should be done by all teams, but this is a different slight, different style that Stendhal's doing. You expend a lot of energy in pressing when you don't have the ball to try and win it back. It's got to be smart pressing. It can't just be running around like headless chickens. I agree. Uh, one, I mean, obviously, in terms of the Ross County game, a big problem was when we had the balls. We actually had more possession than Ross County, and we had more possession in them in the, in the first half, I believe, when we were at our poorest. Um, so, yes, we we didn't press intelligently and not effectively, um, but we also were very poor with the ball and ineffective with the ball. I, I think overall, the stats certainly showed the heart side. Not a huge amount more. Of, overall in the game, but they had more possession than Ross County. Um, so, I mean, I mean, and we can move on to talk about that. I don't know if there's anything more to add to, to the Airdrie game. We don't know who Hart's opponent in, in the next round will be yet. It'll either be Falkirk or, or Broth. Um, so we can move on to Ross County, which, of course, is really the bigger test for Hearts and, and for Daniel Stendhal. So he got the first win out of the way, but still looking for that first league win. And it's a big... It, <laughs> It's a trek for a, for a midweek game, um, a 340-mile round trip. So first off, all credit to all the Hearts fans who went there. There was 740 of them, which is a terrific number on a Wednesday night when you've got a three-and-a-half-hour or so uh, journey one way to get up there. Um, many of them enjoying the Mallard beforehand, which is the pub on the trains, on the platform in Dingwall, which is, uh, which is always a nice novelty. Uh, quite a few of them um, I was speaking to were staying overnight in Inverness as well, making... Um, making a weekend of it, even though it wasn't the weekend. But they weren't really rewarded, unfortunately, over the 90 minutes. Uh, in terms of the team, uh, Ben Garuccio and Clevy Di Camona had to be brought in with Sean Clare suspended, Aaron Hickey out, Oli Brzanic also had to be brought in because Michael Smith also missed out. Um, I guess the maybe slightly surprising change from some people was that Donis Avdiai, the new sign of the Kosovo International, was thrown in for his first start in place of Ewan Henderson, who'd obviously impressed the last time out. Um, in terms of the game, the first half was was a disaster for Hearts. Uh, tried to play out from the back, so Joel Pereira was obviously giving it to his centre-backs or, or full-backs at points, or sometimes Bazanich and Irving were dropping deep, but he was always rolling the ball or playing it out short with his um, with, a, with a pass from his boot. Um and it just wasn't working. County very quickly realised they could press hearts and they could force errors. And we just weren't 
getting the ball out to our own players when it got up to the halfway line into the county half. So we kept giving the ball away. County kept coming at us. So they kept staying on our defence. And it was just a, just a repeat story throughout the first half. When we when we did get up into the county half with the ball, um, we lost it. We were poor with the ball and county countered very quickly. So when we did get a chance to press, which I think is what was highlighted in the, the evening news that you mentioned, county were just getting over the top very quickly. And we were getting caught out with diagonals and, and direct balls and Lee Erwin and Billy Mackay were linking up quite well. I thought Josh Mullen did very well in the wide areas and to be fair we were very fortunate to go in at 0-0. County had a couple of half chances, probably a, a full chance for Cole Donaldson uh, Cole Donaldson the centre back, a free header which he really should have at least tested Pereira with um, Second half was better Hearts settled a little bit, but I just thought it turned into a generally poor game with no quality from either side. Um, no shots on target from Hearts, um, although we had the best chance of the game. Uh, Avdi, uh, really unfortunate. It was one of these where you just could see a goal. Um, it was actually a, a ball forward. It wasn't even a, a well-fashioned move as such, but it got over the top of the county defence, over to the right, Naismith was onto it, did the right thing, cut it back, and it's one of these, you see the cutback rolling to about the seven or eight-yard line, and you can see the Hearts player, which was number 99, Avdi, waiting for it, and just as he was about to start drawing his foot back to prepare to slide it home for a debut goal, he completely lost his footing and basically fell on his backside, and when the ball reached him, he kind of just stuck a leg out and it spun up into the air, and that was the chance gone. And it kind of summed it up. I mean, if, if Hearts had managed to, to snatch a win, it would have been daylight robbery. But in a position we're in, you'd obviously take it. Uh, so, you know, you've outlined some concerns there that they that you've seen in the papers. I've outlined some concerns of my own. I mean, I think in terms of the team, defensive-wise, they actually defended quite well. I think John Souter, Craig Halkett both put in a couple of big blocks. Dicamona put in a couple, uh, put in a really good challenge, although he was a bit iffy on occasion with the ball at his feet, trying to play it out. Um, but ahead of that, Irving was was decent at times, but I felt a bit he was a bit exposed being in a midfield two the way County were playing alongside Bazanic. Should really, I don't think he offers enough to play in that midfield two. I think if we've not got Haring available, I'd, I just don't think it's going to work with Bazanic without a bit more support around him. Um, Naismith and Washington lots of energy but they kept dropping deeper and deeper and Stephen Naismith in the end was actually holding midfield when we put more attackers on he was just playing in a deeper midfield role trying to dictate play by the end um, Washington a lot of running he's just not going to be a high goal scorer I think he could be effective depending who's around him but we can't rely on him I think to be a man to get a lot of goals so yeah 12th blank in the league this season so that was against the worst defence in the Premiership, and it's our 12th game in the league we failed to score. We need a front man. That's one of the big areas we need. There's a lot of issues. You know, It's not like we were missing chance after chance, but we definitely need an effective front man, um, which we'll talk about in a moment. But in terms of the game, Mark, you obviously didn't see it. Um, I don't know what your feelings and thoughts are and what you've what you've heard from from the likes of Joel Skehead and, and others who've reported on it and, and me. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The bottom line is, reading the, the the comments afterwards, the match report, ultimately listening to the commentaries, what what you you garner your opinion on it. And that first half just it sounds like we were we were back at the first half of the season with a lack of creativity. The things that have kind of I mean, there's no point in me trying to analyse a game that I've heard when I've yeah. got someone here who comment who commented on it. So the questions I would have from this and I think the, a couple have been answered I, I think obviously he prefers Michael Smith in that holding role because he was unavailable that Bozanich therefore is, is not the answer there um, Jamie Walker now he came on against Airdrie and he came on against Ross County not not for long what, what's going on there because we need creativity we need creativity to provide for hopefully a Liam Boyce or whoever, someone that's going to come in and score us goals. He's not shown enough since he got back. He had the injury, I get that. But is is he just now a bit part player? Because when we were putting our teams together um, for excitement levels for the second half of the season or, or whatever, Jamie Walker featured. But is that based on the form that he showed a couple of years ago? 
Quite possibly. I mean, I, I should say, I I don't know is the the ultimate answer in terms of what's going on with Jamie Walker. I don't have any um, info on it, but I, I, I guess maybe, a, a, an educated guess on it could be related to a side of his game, which we talked about this in a previous podcast. Um, it was highlighted by a lot of people with their heat maps in terms of apparently Jamie Walker. Um, and you do see it in games. Doesn't do an awful lot off the ball. Um, so, in terms of a Daniel Stendel side, he wants an entire team who will have energy and press. So, when they've not got the ball, everyone's closing down as a team. I don't know if Jamie Walker fits into that in terms of what we've seen from him in, in recent times. He's obviously got ability and technically he's quite good. Um, but if he doesn't fit into that, it might not work for him. But I don't know. As I. I he, it might not be. It might not. That might not be the issue. It might just be Daniel Steno doesn't feel he's he's going to add something in terms of what he can offer on the ball as well. But it could be one possible issue. But if, if if that is the issue, he's then got a choice to make. He can add that to his game because work rate off the ball in modern day football is as important, if not more important, than mm-hmm. what you do when you've got the ball. Yeah. So he's got a choice here. He's already had one failed spell down in England. Now, Hearts, for anybody, shouldn't be the pinnacle of their career. They, they, they want to play at the highest level, right? So even for Celtic and Rangers, the highest level is not Scotland. The highest level is elsewhere. So for him to get to a better level, and we're not talking about any Hearts players playing at the highest level, because if they were that good, they wouldn't be at Hearts. So for a Jamie Walker, he's... If that is, and this is the difficulty, because we don't know, but if we assume it is that first instance and that Stendhal either doesn't fancy him or his work rate could be better without the ball, A, he's not the only one, but B, what an opportunity it is, because it's a, it's a, it's a clean slate for everybody. And we said prior to Stendhal taking over, when you, we knew it was going to be him, it's probably going to take a few games for him to work out who he can trust or, or who he's not so sure about. We've already seen some players leave. So he's clearly part of the plans, but not a, an integral part right now. Otherwise, he'd be starting. Now, I get that he's rewarded Lewis Moore for his performance and against Sergei with another start. But again, it, it just frustrates me because I've seen what he's capable of. And I've seen so many players take that path from Scotland down to England. And we all would because the money down there is ridiculous compared to what they could get in Scotland. It's not a criticism whatsoever, but so many of them and their career paths have just gone off track. So it's an awareness and an opportunity for Jamie Walker to get into the team, to be one of the suppliers for whoever comes in or for a Stephen Naismith or for a Connor Washington. Because I love watching Jamie Walker at his best. I don't know how far he is away from that right now, but I don't think he's pretty close. It's funny, a few people were talking about, you know, and it is potentially a tough trip um, up to Dingwall. It's it's a ground, it's a team and it's a ground that Hearts actually seem to do okay with. Um, we've only lost 1-15 in 15 against Ross County. Now, interestingly, it's a, you don't see this very often, especially for Hearts and what our away form has been like for, for, for many years. Seven uh, trips now unbeaten to that stadium, four wins and three draws. And after Ross County battered us, Nil nil at Tynecastle. You remember we we. Oh, they, they should have won. They should have won, won about three or four nil. Um, I wonder if are we Ross County's bogey team? There's certain things <laughs> you would stand on top of the Empire State Building and shout from the rooftop about how proud you are in life. I didn't mean that like from a pr- be, that would not a, be one of them. <laughs> I didn't mean from a pride perspective. Just the fact that a, a team like Hearts, who we have been traditionally pretty poor away from home, yet we seem to. You know, our, our record at that ground is you know, we've won twice as many games as Ross County have in fixtures. Well, um, okay, Rangers are bogey team at, at Ibrox because <laughs> we we haven't won there since no. since 1936. Yeah, but what I mean is that Ross County appear to be better than Hearts even this season, but still, even when they have the better of us in games, they still can't seem to get a win. I'll just put it out there, it, it was just amusing because they don't usually look at it from the other side. I just wonder if county fans go away from it going, how on earth have we not beaten that that load of pish again? <laughs> but, 
this is this is weird for Hearts fans because no one, none of us, expected us to be where we are now. No, no. Ross County eight points clear of us. Hamilton, Hamilton. Now Hamilton, Hamilton's work ethic is something that that every team can learn from because the sum of their parts compared to the sum of the parts of the eleven other teams. If it's just that, take out work ethic. If it's just quality, they're, they're bottom. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's between them and, and St Mirren. Um, but it's not just about how good your players are. It's about yeah. how interested your players are in turning up on a Wednesday night in Dingwall or or whatever. And it's, it's just difficult to, to comprehend that we are where we are. We are the worst team in the league right now. By some distance, one win will still get us bottom of the table and still be a point, assuming Hamilton also lose so we, we're adrift and we're, we're just not used to this and i just hope the penny drops not for the not for the fans to an extent because they pay their money they're entitled i mean that's a decent that's a decent crowd going up to dingle yeah. and a lot of them with, with hope as well and and to get served more of the same i just hope the players realize this i hope the penny drops for the players right now that if it means tracking back if you're jamie walker when you maybe didn't do it before, or for other players. Because I don't want to be having this conversation when we are more than a win away from being off the off the bottom spot in April. Oh yeah. It's no point yeah. it's no point in saying when the top six comes and we've we've got to face Ross County and St Johnston and St Mirren and Hamilton. What's gonna be different if we don't change our attitude? It's not like having better players, but it's the old adage. I've used it before when we're in trouble. Hard work, beating ability, when ability doesn't work hard. It can happen. It can happen. Of course, Our next yeah. games, Rangers at home. Well, we've got the, the next four in the league bookended by Rangers at home and Celtic away. Anything we get from that is a bonus. So St. Johnston away is huge. Kilmarnock at home is huge. The Arbroath Falkirk game will, will take care of itself. Fixers get a little bit better for us. But right now, everybody who we play against is better than us. So we've got to do something about that. Um, the worst thing about the predicament we're in? Well, not the worst, but one of the annoying things. Hibs scored a winning goal. And we cheered it. No, I didn't cheer it, but I have to say, when I saw it pop up on my phone, I was genuinely pleased when I saw that because I knew it would obviously, we'd be at least a point closer to Hamilton um, at the end of the game. Well, Hibs are... Yeah, Hibs are not the issue for us right now. No, exactly. Hibs are, better, yeah, Hibs are a better team than us because they're more consistent yeah, over and... the twenty odd games that, that they've played. If Hibs beat every team around us with late goals, I'll be delighted. We need to worry about ourselves though. Oh yeah, of course, of course. And and in terms of worrying about ourselves, I mean one thing we're gonna talk about, so the need for a, a the need for a front man is obviously apparent. We need we need more than just a striker, but that's one of the big issues. Um Liam Boyce, who's Incidentally, a former Ross County player is a player that Hearts are tracking. Um, reports are that they are going in with a new bid, another six-figure bid, uh, especially with it now confirmed that Jake Mulraney is off to Atlanta. Um, but Burton Albion apparently paid half a million for him to get him in 2017 from County. He is still their top scorer this season, 14 goals in 33 games. Yeah, he's only got four months left in his deal, though. He is, yeah, he's, which is why they might cash in. Uh, but there's apparently both English and Scottish clubs tracking him. Um, 28 year old now, but still, still, I guess, in the prime of his career. Northern Irish international, 55 goals and 115 for Ross County in three seasons in the top flight, 31 and 94 for Burton in the Championship and League One. So about a 1 in 2 ratio in the top flight in Scotland and a 1 in 3 ratio in the English uh, Championship and League One. Um, strong, direct, good finisher. Obviously, I remember seeing him quite often when he was uh, north of the border previously, would be an ideal sign-in, I think. I, I would really add something that we don't have just now, which is goals. Yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. And I hope this isn't something... The, the, the club financially has been really well run of late, given what we had before the current incumbent was, was in place, where it was, a, it, was a, it was a shocker under Romanov. So I, I hope... And, and Anne Brudge, all credit to her, said... We're, we're not going to spend the money we don't have, right? Now, I don't know what the amount was for, for Mulraney. There's talk it was 
100 and something, up to 200 potentially. Um, we don't know if that's going to be a one-er, if it's going to be paid in instalments or whatever. So there will be some money from that. I just hope that we don't lose a player like Liam Boyce, who is probably going to be honest, he's probably going to be without, uh, be out with our price range in the summer when he's free. That sounds daft, but there'll be other clubs that'll be able to pay him more money um, down south. And if he doesn't move in this window and goes on to score another 10 goals between now and the end of the season, you're talking five figures a week that he's getting as a weekly wage. He's, he then becomes, well, that's, that's out with what we can afford to pay him. So if, if it takes an extra 25, 50 grand right now that we have and we can, we can account for, I'd, I'd get that job done. I'd, I'd, I'd get him signed uh, if, if possible. But Sunderland have had bid, uh, a bid rejected for him as well. And there's another thing. If the Lafferty thing doesn't work out for them and then they go back in, um, depending on if they get promotion or what happens in the summer, again, they could end up paying potentially more than us. So mm-hmm. if we've got an opportunity to, if there's a fee that, that Burton Albion want and it's it's right at the the edge of, of what we would go to, just 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 pay it. Get, it, get it done, get them on board. Because the difference between spending an extra 50 to 75K or whatever it is and getting a player whose goals potentially would keep you up than going down, just ask Dundee United. Another signing which was made and obviously ended up uh, being in the starting 11 was uh, Donis Avdiai. Um What do you make of this one? Because he's he's a name I'd, I'd seen before. Obviously, he came through and was a, a hot prospect at Schalke. It sounds like um, he's an interesting character, shall we say, which is partly why his maybe career has got a little bit um, choppy since the early promise. Um, I don't really want to put anything on him in the county game because as a team we were very poor. It was a difficult game to be thrown in for his first ever match in Scotland having just arrived. Uh, On paper, what, what, what do you reckon of this one? I think it should be a good signing based on what we have been able to, to, to see from his past by looking online and on YouTube or whatever. Uh, the, the concern was that his last start was the 23rd of September. So for him to be flung in uh, was was an eye-opener. Um, and I know we had Jamie Walker on the bench and Ewan Henderson on the bench and, and whatever, but his last start was when he scored his only goal for Trabzon Spore in the middle of September. So that's that's a while ago. Now, I know he didn't last the full 90 minutes. Uh, again, you can you can talk about his performance. It's very, it's very difficult. It's like saying, what did you make of Danny Drinkwater's performance for Aston Villa against Manchester City? <laughs> well, I felt sorry for him because there was a guy who was clearly miles away from being match fit. But he's not going to turn down the opportunity to start for a new team at home to one of the best teams in the league. Of, of course, you're hoping adrenaline can get you through. But he was at fault for a couple of goals. And it doesn't matter what ability you have, because Drinkwater, as he showed when he's, he won the league with Leicester, he earned his move to Chelsea. He's a right good player, but he's got to be match fit. And I, I'm not sure what percent. He, he can look good in training or whatever. I'm not sure how fit that, that, that he was. He didn't last the 90. But I think going forward, I think he's an exciting um, player. We, we've had them before. Some have worked, some haven't. There's not much we can say about him right now until until we've seen him string a few games together. He did. I, I missed this on earlier stats um, as well. He did play um, full matches in December in the Cup, um, I believe, for um, Trabs on Spore. Um, I th- I, my the initial things that come were coming up for me were only um, showing league games, but yeah, he, he played he played two games, he both played... against Alte, Aye, um, just... in, in the in the Turkish Cup. But again, um, have, having not covered, I mean, I've covered the Turkish national side. I've not covered much apart from the Champions League. I of, don't, th- of I don't Turkish think side. they care too much about the cup generally, do they? No, it, it, exactly. And you're you're facing opposition that that isn't one of. Uh, one of the better clubs in in Turkey. Um, so I, I, again, no, no, he, he, I mean, might played, he might have played a couple of games. He, he, he's someone. We, he's a creative player. We need creative players. Yeah. Only time will tell if he fits in. Is he going to settle? Well, the fact that he's moved around a fair bit suggests <laughs> he does. 
No, yeah. but I think there's a positive to that as well, Laurie. There's not that kind of, oh, this is the first time outside his country no. or whatever. He'll be able to communicate with the manager. I'm all for it. I'm all for this one. No, the, the reason I laughed actually was because um, uh, his agent was apparently on the train up and a few Hearts fans were speaking to him and... Uh, uh, he was he was probably just saying, oh, you know, this guy is, you know, you've you've not seen anything like this. He's he's fantastic, you know. You won't, you won't believe how good he is. Obviously, as an agent would do, and um, old old China, um, who many will, will not, <laughs> many will know who he is, said to him, who he's 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 very switched on a lot of the time. China um, said, six clubs in two years, he can't be that great, can he? <laughs> He's got a point. I mean, if, it, which, if he's the best thing since sliced bread, why is his contract being cancelled with Trabs on yeah, Sport? Yeah. So, but he's one of these where if if he was if he'd been settled and everything had been rosy for him in all aspects of uh, of his game, then he probably wouldn't be anywhere near Hearts. So yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword, and I, I think it's got promise. If if Daniel Stendel can um, you know get the best out of him, maybe put an arm around his shoulder, he certainly looks and sounds like he's got the technical ability. Let's hope it works out. Um, but well, we're not going to, I guess, um, give him too much uh, stick for that first game because as a team, Hearts were well off the pace. Uh, in the end, though, a point is a probably a good result, all things considered. Okay, next up, it was the next round of the Hearts uh, Hard Men World Cup, um, which, of course, was... Started by uh, Mark Donaldson. I did mention on Twitter that Hearts Hardman World Cup brought to you by Marshall's Chunky Chicken. Just, <laughs> just, just for nostalgia's sake. So let's go through. Have you have you seen the, how the ties ended up? Uh, I saw when I voted. I saw how they were at the time. So okay. yeah, I'll, I'll be intrigued. So uh, last sixteen match one was Jimmy Bone against Dave Bowman. Now, okay. Jimmy Bones, uh, a, little, a bit before my time, whereas Dave Bowman was, I kind of knew who he was more. So I was a bit surprised maybe, but Jimmy Bowen 55.2%, Dave Bowman 44.8%. Um, fair, do you think? Both hard men. But I mean, I don't know. Was was Davey Bowman a bit kind of, a bit, not as a pretend hard man, because he was, he was involved in too many scraps for that. But mm-hmm. you just get the feeling he'd take care of the, the kids in the playground, but then the big bully would come along and, and knock them spark out. Um, okay, yeah. so, so 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 maybe that one went the way so it went the way it, went the way it should. Um, match two. Now we talked, you know, we were we were talking about how these could relate to football scenarios, and this this one is not just one that went to penalties. This is one that went to penalties, and every single player had a go, including the goalkeepers, and eventually. Someone missed, but it hit the post and rolled along the line. Um, this was Ian Baird against Phil Stamp. So 0.6% the difference between them in the end. Wow. And can you guess which way it went? I voted for Baird. I think he should have won. He didn't. But oh. <laughs> 49.7% wow. for Ian Baird. 58.3%. Phil Stamp absolutely edges through to the last eight. But again, we, we said this last time, uh, it could be a generational thing. Um, stereotyping Twitter users as maybe the younger generation, like me, I saw Phil Stamp, I didn't see Ian Baird. So there we go. Baird was, Baird was a hard man. Baird is a hard man. And Baird should have won. It's a tough tie, tough tie, but... Okay, so Stamp to face Bone in the quarterfinals. Yep, uh... Match three, Neil Poynton, Walter Kidd. This is a fairly comfortable one. I probably don't need to get your thoughts on which way this one went. Uh, Walter Kidd. Walter Kidd, 77.6% of the votes uh, cruising through to the last eight. Uh, would have been heavily odds on. Um, match four, probably no surprise with this one either. Scott Severn against Craig Levine. This was a, this was a four or five nil. This one, 82.9% for Craig Levine. Uh, 17.1%. I, I actually wondered when we started this if people just wouldn't vote for Craig Levine purely because of how they feel about him now. Um, I wondered if they would just ignore the fact that he probably should win these ties. But nope, they haven't. They've they've, they've kept it proper. And Craig Levine goes through to face Walter Kidd in the quarterfinals. Um, next up, and again, it's it's a whitewash. Um, 
even more so, Graham Hogg against Pasquale Bruno. Yeah, Pasquale's Pasquale's march towards the final He's uh, continues good. unabated. Yeah, I, I can't, it's hard to see past them. This is Brazil in the seventies equivalent or something. Ninety four point six percent for Pasquale Bruno, and uh, he <laughs> he will face. I just I just enjoy the next one because you, it just irks you. Um, Kenny Black against Julian Brellier. No, Jesus. Did your hipster pals get you out of trouble with Brellier? 62% of the Nonsense. votes for Julian Brellier. Over Julian Brellier. Bre- over Kenny now, Black. Sorry. Yeah, and I voted for Black just to try and help um, him over the line, but he didn't get there. Now, <laughs> Brellier against Bruno in the next round. Brellier shouldn't get any more than 15 to 20% of the votes. No. Even you cannot vote in a hipster I, way. I, I said that. I'm, I, I'm just, it just, it's just amusing that he's, that he's got to the quarterfinals. And I'm a big fan of Brelier, but yes, I did say to you before this, it's like, even I can't vote for Brelier over Pasquale Bruno, but unless I feel like just completely trolling the whole thing and trying to encourage the votes that way, but I won't, I won't. Bruno against Brelier. Um, Italy against France, uh, last eight. Uh, so the last tie uh, for the quarterfinals we decided between the next two matches so next up match seven sandy clark against mike galloway i don't think it's a surprise this one went this way but clark was so hard it's so hard 81.6 percent yeah yeah fairly strolled through um this is an interesting one i was quite surprised at this one Uh, match eight andy webster against ian black uh i voted for black did he win he did, but fairly comfortably, 67.4%. But I know you talked about pretend hard, but I'm not saying Black's a pretend hard man, but he's, he's not the biggest. I think he, he certainly liked to throw himself about in, on the football park, and he liked to get in people's faces. And But you think in a square go that someone like Andy Webster would get... I just, oh, it looks like Webster seemed a bit a bit quieter, but you feel like if it came to it, he could put He could handle himself, but... But it's, not, context. it's not all about size, but do you know? Do you know what you, I know? You, you said earlier about um, whether some players would maybe just yeah put it on more than actually. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just surprised that the that two thirds voted black. I thought it would be closer. I thought Webster yeah, would so, get more so, votes. So did I. But anyway, black against Clark. Um, Christ, that's, <laughs> a, that's a size mismatch. It was a boxing match. I don't know how they. they... That, just, just uh, honestly, well, well done for reaching the the quarterfinals, Blackie. Um, but you're going no further, pal. It'd be like Ivan Drago with his reach over Rocky. Right? <laughs> how, are you, how are you going to get near to him? Anyway, okay, so there we go. Um, we'll we'll keep that up on the Twitter. So Jimmy Bone against Phil Stamp, Walter Kidd against Craig Levine, Pasquale Bruno against Julian Brellier, Sandy Clark against Ian Black. The Hearts Hard Men World Cup quarterfinals uh, brought to you by Marshall's Chunky Chicken. The Chunky Chicken Champions. Marshall's. The Junkie Chicken Champions Marshals, the Junkie Chicken Champions Marshals, the Junkie Chicken Champions Another question we put out there last week, um, which happened to crop up, was multifunctional sportsmen and women. So, uh, ideally from football, but uh, sports players who have managed to compete in different sports. Um, So we've got a few messages. Uh, We've got an email from Robbie McNeil McCallum, who said, uh, "My fa- like this. My favourite would be Michael Stewart, formerly of Hearts and Hibs, who played football and now is very successful in the sport of talking shite." <laughs> what do you think of that? You know Michael yeah. more. <laughs> I actually, I don't mind Michael Stewart at times. Actually, I think at least he, he um. He has an opinion on things. I, I, yeah, we've 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 mentioned before though. I always felt uh, Craig Levine was um, he he let too many um, of his own personal feelings get in the way of that one. But but on the whole, yeah, I don't. I agree with that. I mean, look, I'm all for people that have an opinion um, and stuff. If if someone's written about my team, I want to I want to read. It. I don't have to agree with it. Um, yeah, I think it got too personal. I, I think it was difficult at times for. For, for Michael to set his personal agenda um, to one side. He disagrees with that. that that's fine. <laughs> There's only one person that, that 
that that knows um, whether or not it was getting too personal, and that's Michael. And if, take it at his word if he says that it, it was just objective, then then fine, I've got no problem with that. But it gives us something to, to discuss. I like reading his stuff. I, I, I like the fact he's got an opinion, and I like the fact he, he talks about hearts. I don't have to agree with it, but I'd rather. I mean, what was it? Having worked with Scotty McClue about twenty years ago. Um, he was always there's only one thing worse, son. If they're not, uh, if they're what was it? If they're talking about you, and that's them no talking about you. I mean, he, <laughs> he's, he's he doesn't care. He, there's I, no such thing as bad press. <laughs> no, it's his his political leanings, and this isn't a political podcast. I've got I've got no um, political feelings to air on 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 this podcast. I try and keep them private. Um, that, that's what you get when you when you sign up for following him on on Twitter. You get a fair bit of of his political views. Um, I'd prefer it if it was just a football only. But hey, that it's, it is what it is. It yeah. is what it is. But from a from a football perspective, yeah, I always think he's got something worth listening to. Not always uh, agreeable, <laughs> but worth listening to. Foxtrot Oscar says, uh, "Did Big Henry Smith not play for the Claymores too?" Um, and Usain Bolt, an obvious one. Uh, MJK says, can't think of any football-related examples, but Michael Jordan famously moved from basketball to baseball. And Mm -hmm. also Andrew Freddie Flintoff tried his hand at boxing following cricket. So there's a couple of good ones there. Uh, Hearts Heritage, um, which is Davey Allen running that account, uh, came back with some some good ones, of course. We were looking for Hearts-related ones. He said... Tom Crosskey was back up in goal to Jack Harkness and was also a very good cricketer. He gives us Peter Johnston, who got to the quarterfinal of World Darts and also played for Hearts. That's a good one. It's a good one. Um, he says, a non-Hearts one, a contemporary of Bobby Walker, Steve Bloomer of Derby County, second highest scorer in the English top flight, 28 goals in 23 games for England, played baseball for Derby County Baseball Club, who were British champions three times in the 1890s. Yeah, we did a feature on them on our show, our oh, baseball okay. show on, on BT Sport. Not of, uh, that, that's, I didn't know about the player, but the fact that, um, that Derby County played the baseball ground and how they were a very successful baseball team, just the origins of baseball in the UK. Um, but that's interesting to know that, that there was a, one of their players was, was successful with both. The, over here, there's a lot of football and, and baseball and, and basketball changes and, and whatever. But for football and baseball in, in the UK, our football, the Hearts football and baseball, that, that was an interesting one. That was a good one. Uh, and Hearts Heritage also gave us uh, David Johnson, one Hearts competitive yeah, game. the rugby. Grand Slam winner with Scotland. Um, and uh, he says, centre-back Fry, uh, non-Hearts, or is it CB Fry? CB Fry, yeah. CB Fry, sorry. I thought it was like centre back Fry. Um, CB <laughs> Fry, non Hearts, uh, said represented England at both cricket and football and FA Cup final appearance for Southampton and equaling the then world record for the long jump. And he says in his 70s, he was still able to leap from a stationary position backwards onto a mantelpiece. <laughs> That's got chaos written all over it. I, what uh, could possibly I, go wrong with a 70 year old trying that? I, just, just the, I'm just trying to get my head around the, just the, the logistics of it. But anyway, um, there you go. CB Fry. That's an interesting one. Um, Matthew Leslie uh, gave us CB Fry as well and also says Andy Gorham, cricket, football, and says Donald Ford, cricket and football, and David yeah. Johnston, football and rugby union. Tommy- a friend of mine, not, not I mean, he's a heavy, you know, so it doesn't count for hearts, but he had the choice. John Blaine. Um, from Pennycooks. Uh, he was in the year below me at school. We still keep in touch. Uh, he played for Scotland at the World Cup in, in cricket. Very, very good cricketer. But when he was a teenager, uh, he was training with Hibs. Um, they went to Falkirk. He actually played under Jim Jeffries and, and Billy Brown for the BP Youth Cup squad at, uh, at Falkirk. Um, he had the opportunity when he was a teenager uh, to either go and sign like a, a professional contract, a decent contract with, with Falker, like a, a two or three year deal or play cricket. North Ants um, gave him a, a, a contract offer and said that they would pay him £10,000 signing on fee and, and he took that. And it's funny, you wonder 
John John was a centre back and a very very good one as well. Jim and Billy will always testify to that. You wonder how many players, potential players that we've lost to football or to other sports because they've they've chosen a path. And even going back even further than that, how many how many footballers have been lost to the game through to disinterest or, or in that? I I took a, a boys team for six or seven years in in Pennycook called Esk Mills and Christ, and that's, that's enough to put players off. Isn't it? Yeah, very good, very good. But we. <laughs> We we had some players. The amount of players <laughs> lost to football after Jesus, because Mark Donaldson tried to coach I know, them. I know. No, I'm not, I wasn't a coach. I just I just wanted, wanted to, them to play football and get them out of the house or, or whatever. But we had one or two, and I, we came over. I came across one or two players that we played against, and I always wondered what would have happened if they just stuck in. We all must know that. We all must know guys or girls that we went to school with, and mm-hmm. and they had so much ability. But for whatever reason. Um, it's like the kid Rory McAllister uh, at Peterhead, who's now gone to Cove Rangers, and you're like he's moved to Cove Rangers. He's much better than than that level, um, but he gets paid far more for his day job, so he's happy playing as a as a, a part timer. What what could he have done with the game? It's all ifs, ifs buts, and maybes. Tommy eighteen seventy four says, "Pretty sure Big Zal played basketball at a good level. He might have done. I, I, it's yeah, not, he, not he, what he I know about." Because, uh... The big in, in, in basketball, I mean, tall and growing up in, in they Lithuania. Love, love, love their basketball in Lithuania. They love their basketball. They love their ice hockey. Um, yeah, so pot- potentially. I'm glad, I'm glad he picked football. Uh, Richard Cobb says, Gavin Hastings went from rugby to American football uh, with the Scottish Claymores, if that helps. And Hearts Heritage responded with, he also played for Hearts, which is quite right because yeah, Gavin yeah. Hastings played in Dave McPherson's testimonial in 1997 yep. against Rangers. Um, Mark Thompson says, not Hearts related, but Sammy, is it Pavis? P-A-V-I-S, is that Sammy Pavis? I would, I would assume so. I would guess I would... so, but it's not a name. that Unless he, is it meant to, did he meant to say Sammy Davis? So, anyway, uh, this player was a footballer for Linfield, amongst others, in Northern Ireland during the 1960s. Prolific goal scorer, and then played in the 1967 European Cup quarter final. Won a ton of medals, but he was also a Northern Ireland amateur snooker champion. That's a oh. good one. That's that's uh, that's uh, an obscure one. And I like it. Um, let's see what else we got. Preston Panned Hearts says Ian Jardin was uh, has the choice or had the choice of pro golf or football as a teenager. Henry Smith was a decent cricketer too, um as a and as a kicker for Scottish Claymores. Hans Eskelson is a pro poker player if that counts, he says. Yeah, we said that last week about uh, about Eskelson and hopefully that oh, you hopefully did, didn't you? You he's, did, he's, yeah. he's good at something, yeah. <laughs> Ian Jordan's an interesting one. Um just it's funny because you you see the players you grew up with and watched and when you think about it, if back in the day, players, what, trained half 10 till 12 or whatever, and then they had to do something else. So it's no surprise that a lot of them were good at golf or, or other sports. Uh, Fletch says, not Scottish, but Chris Balderston played cricket for England and football for Carlisle, as well as Queen of the South, among a few others. Um, here's a good one. Andy Morris says, hearts related and played three sports. Gary Parker went from Hearts to Melrose to play rugby, then was the kicker for Scottish Claymore's American footballer, uh, football, later went on to manage the Scotland women's rugby team. Sadly, didn't make a first team appearance for Hearts. That's not one that I'd known about at all, Gary Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gary, Gary did a, a fair bit of uh, BBC Scotland as well um, over the last, well, I say, I forget I've been away for 10 years, but he, he, did, uh, he did radio, but yeah. He certainly, was he ever a professional on the books? I know he, he was certainly involved with Hearts and then Scotland. Yeah, the, the David Johnson, Gary Parker, uh, rugby story and, and, and Hearts, yep. Uh, Stuart White says Donald Ford, Scottish cricket and football. Sandy Dowie says Ian Price, rugby and darts. Um, Graham Taylor says Andy Webster played cricket to a decent standard. Might have played Scotland youth levels, but not 100% sure on that. I've not actually checked that. Yeah, he was very good. Very good at our broth. Yep. Um, And what we've got, last one. um, Kevin Masterton says, might be some use. George Salmond, um, Scottish cricket captain and grade one referee, also a Hearts fan. That's 
I'll allow it. We'll allow it. Refereeing. Yeah, George Savant. Yep. Uh, George, now, George might have played in the same World Cup squad. I think Scotland played World Cup cricket in 99 as John Blaine, who I mentioned. I know they know each other very well, but I'm sure they, they played in the same team together, um, potentially at a World Cup. And, of course, you, you know the one um, which Jamaican once played for Scotland. Oh, which? Go on, then. Which Jamaican? Which Jamaican once played for Scotland? Go on then, yeah. Which one? Jamaican. 19, 1984 Grand Slam captain. Jamaican played for Scotland. Yes. On yep. that, on that um, tumbleweed wow. moment, we'll say we'll say thanks for getting in touch. Um, some interesting, uh, some interesting replies on that one, and we'll move on. So before we go this week, we will look ahead to the next Hearts game, which is on Sunday at Tynecastle against Rangers. Um, yeah, maybe not the team you want to play when you're struggling and uh, haven't won in 10 league games. Uh, and we haven't won in 12 against Rangers now. We haven't beaten them in the top flight in almost eight years. Nine defeats in our last 10 meetings Against them, the titles actually. We've, we've not we've not beaten them in, a, in eight years. Is that right? In the top flight, in the top. In the flight. top. Wow. Obviously beat them. That's in, dreadful. Beat them in a championship, but um, last top flight win was 2012 when. Wow. Blackie um, and Jamie Hamill scored at Ibrox. Uh, but uh, I mean, as good as Rangers are, you know, the titles technically in their hands at the moment, two points behind Celtic, but with the game in hand. They've won five in a row in the league. Last 16 games in the league, 14 wins, two draws. But Morelis is, Morelis is obviously suspended, which is a boost. I know they have Jermaine Defoe. Um, and although we were battered 5-0 last meeting, 3-0 at Hamden, we put in a very good performance at Tynecastle in October. That 1-1 draw, which we deserved at least a draw in that game. And key to that game was the pressing and the intensity we showed in that match. In the first half, we were terrific. Uh, so, back at Tynecastle with with a good crowd, a good atmosphere. I don't think it's not to say I'm going to go into this game with optimism or or too much hope, but I don't think we should go into it with fear. I mean, we've we've got we've got a chance still on home on home soil against them, and we've got nothing to lose because it's one of games against Rangers and Celtic for for most teams in the league. Anything you get from them is a bonus, and especially with with the title race right now being as tight as it is. Um, I've got a few Rangers pals, and they're, they hate games like this because they're expected to win. There's no pressure on us. They were expected to win back in October. We'd played poorly at St Mirren. We'd been poor against Kilmarnock the week before, or two weeks before, because it was an international break. But we started really well. And again, if, if we can start well, and I assume... Meshino, I mean, Meshino's back from from playing for his country, isn't he? And he's, he's okay. He's not injured or anything. No, I'm not. I'm actually not sure why he wasn't in the, the match squad for Dingwall. Um, he's, he's, how fit he is, I don't know. But as far as I'm aware, he's not injured. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned him just because he, he scored our goal Yes. Um, yeah. against Rangers. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was an even game. They had a fair bit of the ball, but we, we, were, we were pretty compact. Um, We'd all take a point now, but I mean, you, you've got these games coming up. As I said, the bookend, the Rangers game, and then the Celtic game, which bookends it, and in the middle, the the Kilmarnock game and and the St Johnson game. I just want to see progress. I, I just want to see that the that the Stendhal's methods are being adhered to, and 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 we're getting better. But we've we've got to create more because that that's yeah. that's the big issue. So obviously, we don't necessarily know who's available, and I guess defence will sort itself out, really depending on. On personnel available to them, but in terms of in terms of wider and and the attacking areas, this might be where he's got decisions to make. Because Lewis Moore and Ewan Henderson have played recently and and done quite well, not necessarily at Ross County, but certainly against Airdrie. And we've got Donis uh, available now. Um, Walker, as you said, is available. We've got Washington, you've got Naismith, Uche, who actually did make a bit of a difference when he came on. At Ross County, he offered something different. It was his type of game, actually, because um, he just needed to add a bit of power and a bit of directness. Um, what, what, 
how how do you think we should go on Sunday then? Because that's where we might have some decision decisions to make. Is the the attacking areas, depending on the formation, whether we play it in like a four four two with some wide players and two up front, or I know that we don't. There's a lot of fluidity again, so it doesn't really matter if it's four two three one or four four two. We'll probably see a lot of movement there. So who who do you think we should be relying on in this game or giving a chance in this game? Well, we get clear back, don't we, from suspension? It was just a one yeah. game yeah. ban. Okay, so he'll play it right back. What's the what's the likelihood of Michael Smith being available? Well, I haven't checked. I haven't checked, actually. Yeah, I, I, again, if you miss a midweek, it's always hard to, to be fit enough for a weekend. I, I, I don't know. It'd be nice if he was back uh, in the middle of the park. I th- he could be the key because I'm not I'm not at all confident. If we've got... if we've got, I like Andy Irving, and I'd start him. But you're right. It's something you said earlier about if they're playing a two in there and, and it's Bozanic alongside him, then I'd, I'd be concerned. Uh, Morelos missing is 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 a blow for them, but um, Defoe, assuming he's fit, uh, is is the perfect replacement. Um, just get in their faces, stop them from trying to play. They're a better team than us. But so were Celtic. We beat them four nil, and and so were Rangers when they came earlier this season, um, and we drew that one one. So I, again, the, the effort and the commitment, and and when we don't have the ball, just trying to get it back quickly, the, the whole pressing game, but do it smart. They should win, but I, I don't know. There's not, I, I don't get the, as a fan, I don't get the fear factor from facing Rangers at Tynecastle as much as I get the fear factor from facing Celtic. I don't know why that is. It's, it's, it's possibly just recent history that Celtic have been the, the established force and Rangers had a great win against Celtic. But we um, have a better record against Celtic. I know. Bizarrely, than Rangers, yet it's the other way around when it comes to a, a fear factor for them. I think we might get a draw out of this one. Which would be very welcome. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what we go with. I'd like to see Henderson Henderson get a start. I thought he played well against the Adrianians, and he, he added something. I mean, we're talking small elements because overall it was poor against Ross Kenny. He added something more. He got, the, he got on the ball and wanted to drive forward. Um, I didn't think Lewis Moore managed to get into the game. I would favour Henderson over Moore certainly. Um, Avdi, it's just it's too early to tell. Uh, it might be too big a game for him at this stage, but he's that unknown, and it could be. I wouldn't mind seeing him get another start. You know, as I say, I've got right off Ross County. It'd be, it'd be good to see how he would manage this game. It's just that last that last piece of the jigsaw still a big issue is because I mean Naismith isn't an out and out nine. Um, he wants to drop in a lot of the time. Washington is a good pressing forward, but he's not a poacher. He's not a, a goal scorer. That's, I guess, the big concern. It's still where the goals will come from. But if we have enough attacking play behind a Washington, if he's playing that sort of pressing role as the, the the very front of the Hearts team, kind of win the ball back for the for Hearts or force errors, then it could work if you have Naismith maybe Avdiyai, Henderson, even possibly Walker behind them. So uh, I hope we pre- press them, get in their faces. I hope it's a good atmosphere um, because that, that really did help in the, the last Tynecastle game and just to give that players a little bit extra. Um, but like you, I mean, I'm not going to go in with it expecting anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got something out of the game. And um, Boyce up front, winning goal scorer. There you go. Heard it here first, possibly. Um. <laughs> So we'll be back. We'll be back next week to to talk about that one. Um, Hearts against Rangers. Before then, uh, do you want to throw any homework out to the listeners, Mark? I normally think of homework as we were were kind of talking, but I don't. I don't have anything. And usually, when that happens, you you race triumphantly to my rescue and, and come <laughs> up with a real a, a really good one. So this is what's okay. known in the business as passing the buck. Okay, that is fine. I will I will receive that buck gladly. Um, and what, so, what is our homework for next week? It's, it's something I thought of, but I was actually going to. It's something I was going to discuss in another podcast, um, but I hadn't thought about doing his homework. But I'll put it out there as homework. So, um, okay. It could get it could get interesting. So, I think we need to get a better atmosphere at Tynecastle. You know, the Airdrie okay. game the Airdrie game we had a good attendance. Almost fifteen thousand for a non season ticket game. Terrific. It was a bit lacking in atmosphere still. And it's been like that for quite quite a while and it's disappointing because we have such a great stadium and we we 
we can create a great atmosphere. And games against, you know, Sunday might take care of itself. If Hearts been a good performance, it'll take care of itself. Derby's take care of itself. If we're doing well against Celtic, it takes care of itself. But the other, the other games, I always find it a bit flat these days. And, you know, it, when I was in Rome in the Curva Sud, despite the fact Juventus raced into a two-goal lead, the attitude was to make more noise, to, to show Roma the fans. Roma fans were great in that game yeah. throughout, I thought. Yeah. And you're 2-0 down, you're totally deflated, but, but they kept going. So what's your suggestion for Tynecastle? That's what I'm putting out there. How, how would you try and improve improve the atmosphere at Tynecastle? It could be, it, it, maybe, you, maybe you're into what Aberdeen have just done and have the, the kind of, a sick, make it a complete stand where people, if, if they want to make a noise and you encourage them and get get different flags and things. I know we've tried it to degree and I don't want to get into the politics of of what certain songs have been sung or how certain young team have been perceived at times. I can't be arsed with that, to be honest. But how, how would you improve the atmosphere? Would it be to go back to a singing section? Would it be to have safe standing? Would it be to have an entire stand that you try and get going? Would it be something else? I don't know. What, it, I don't know. I'm putting that I do there. say, I do say standing. I'm thinking where I would do that. Um, I'd, just from a historical perspective, I'd kind of like it to be where the old terrace shed was in the corner, but that's difficult. That's difficult because that would be part of the away stand, and yeah. and you you couldn't do that logistically. Um, I, I saw was it your commentary. I listened to your commentary of the Airdrie game, and you still referenced section N. And of course, that was the old family enclosure, which then became Section N. Is it still? Is it still Section N with with the new things? Could could you have it there? It's, would this, it's still would called stand- Section. Yeah, it's still called yeah, Section. Yeah, of, of, of course. But would would the safe standing be best off in an area of the stadium that's closest to the away fans? Could be tricky. Uh... I know. I know. It's, it's a ra- it's a rascal thought, um, but that would. Uh, it would generate something. It would. It would generate something. Um, I. The, what was the first game that that, that Stendhal had at Tyne Castle? Was it the Aberdeen game? No, it His was first... the St Johnson game. We lost one nil. Oh, so so it was. So it was. <laughs> I was just thinking. The was that the game that the Hearts fans were really really good. Um, maybe it was, and then that that quickly kind of got doused. The, the, the uh, hope uh, and the yes. expectation. But it they were, they were brilliant uh, at the start. Was it that game? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, to be honest, this is a, the reason you see it so much with t- clubs and likes of Scotland is it's a UK it's a UK issue. I think is and it's it's partly to do with the fact that we've been quite um, we've, we've been quite good. You know, it is a pause in many ways to get all-seater stadiums and to avoid the old dangerous terracing, which obviously caused some horrendous. Um, some horrendous things to happen at times in the past but you know I've been to games in Scandinavia and I've been to a few games in Italy and having seen games on the on the TV in other countries it's some of them even ones where it is seated it's a whole different approach just get behind your team make noise make it a carnival atmosphere make it um, just make it intense in the stadium. I went to a Bromby game with 9,000 people there in a 20,000 stadium and one entire stand we were in was just bouncing the entire game that the guys with the megaphones directing fans. So, yeah, just just your ideas. I just thought I'd put it out there. Maybe a lot of them might be similar, but um, just interesting to see what people thought um, about that one. So, yeah, how do we how do we get the atmosphere at Tyne Castle improved or, or back to what it, it was in, in, um, in the good times? And we're not going to go down the route of certain songs or what they might reference etc and whatnot so anyway we'll yeah keep... just uh, ultimately a lot depends on, on what we're seeing on the pitch be less shite I think is the <laughs> best way yes well that's always yeah I get that but what I mean is sometimes even when we are being less shite it's still a bit flat but yeah there's obviously we're not expecting hearts to be getting pumped 5-0 by Rangers on Sunday and everyone's having a terrific time and making a noise. But Rangers games, Rangers and Celtic and Hibs games and Aberdeen games usually produce decent atmospheres yes. regardless. So hopefully we get that. Is it a, a 3pm kickoff? It's 3pm kickoff Sunday? on Sunday, which I'm actually disappointed at because uh, Lazio-Roma kicks off at 5pm. Oh, I, I know because I'm commentating on that. So well, can... I, go on, I go on air just as the full-time whistle sounds. At Tyne Castle, so I'll be able to uh, 
<laughs> I'm meant to be preparing for, for the Rome Derby. I'll get that done um, before kick-off in the Hearts game. Um, that's, that's a couple of good good games to watch, especially if you like Serie A. Uh, you've got Hearts followed by Roma Lazio. A good day. And Sundays Sundays were always about Serie, Serie A back in the day, weren't they? But, um, but anyway, but, but we won't get on to Football Italia again just now. We'll wish you... Uh, well, Bid you farewell, rather, and we'll be back next week to hopefully talk about a terrific atmosphere and a terrific performance from Hearts at Tynecastle on Sunday. Till then, goodbye.